Turn up the volume, turn up the flavour. Wings, beers and sporting glory. Only at Winghouse. You're listening to the All-American Hour with Geordie and the Chief. Good morning. Welcome to the All-American Hour with Geordie and the Chief, brought to you by Winghouse, the best seats and beers, always guaranteed. Great to be here with you, back in the studio again, for uh, for me anyway, for the first time in a while. And uh, uh, we have, a obviously, a massive week of sport ahead of us. It is the, probably the biggest week of sport in the United States for the year. Great to be here with the All-American Hour. Jordan Canellos with you and the Chief, who is back Home and hose now in the United States, back in New York. Morning, Chief. How are you? Well, oh, very good, Jordy. Uh, great to be on with you. And uh, what a fantastic trip I had, uh, enjoying your wonderful country. Yes, uh, it, was, it was a pleasure to catch up with you, actually. You met up at the, uh, at the tennis at the Australian Open, which was fantastic. How did you enjoy the trip? What was the highlight? Oh, yeah. I was, you know, really so much of the sports. <laughs> you know, the Australian Open was fantastic. I was up at the uh, the Magic Millions up at uh, Gold Coast at the both the sales and the racing, uh, and then got to, to watch some MBL uh, both in Sydney and in Perth, watching the the Perth Wildcats, and uh, got to see the Bendigo Spirit play and uh, the, the Melbourne Sports and Aquatic Center, which was a small little venue to see Lauren Jackson, who was playing for the Southside Flyers. Pretty cool to see. Uh, a basketball hall of famer in that smaller venue it was a pretty cool uh experience but it was just all the sports was great and, and the weather and uh the food and and the people people were, were fantastic absolutely how, how long were you here for overall just under three weeks uh, yeah it was a, a nice trip uh, yeah brisbane gold coast melbourne sydney perth so uh, good experience uh both coasts and and all around and still a lot more to see still so yeah. many other places <laughs> To see uh, so much more natural beauty, for sure. Uh, I've seen a good chunk of the urban, and uh, I, I do have to do some more uh, in the uh, yeah beautiful countryside. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Yeah, no, it sounds like you uh, pretty much a full, almost a full lap of the country went down the east coast mm-hmm. and, uh, and out west. So, no, that was uh, a trip, a trip well spent, I think, uh, from yourself, Chief, going to all those uh, all those major cities. Um, and so, you what? what did you get back to the U.S. in time for the uh, conference championship games last week? I did. I had actually, uh, it was maybe about a half hour late, so I had the game recorded, had no idea what was going on, so I was able to <laughs> catch up by halftime. So it was, it was really perfect. Uh, I was able to see all the games uh, while I was in uh, in Australia, obviously. The one game that was broadcast exclusively on Peacock here in the States was on two broadcast networks, both ESPN and Seven Mate. So uh, it was actually easier to watch the games here, or I'm sorry, the games in Australia than, than it was in, in America in some cases. So it was, uh, no, it was great to be able to see all the football and, and still follow um, you know, the technology nowadays. You can still keep up with everything that's going on and NBA and you know, watch some NHL games. And uh, yeah, I got to experience uh, so much from not only live sports, but but viewing them on TV at pubs in different locations. All right, let's get into our star of the week this week. And we're about to delve into those conference championship games in a bit more depth in just a second. But have you got a star of the week off the top, Chief? Uh, you know, it's so tough to, to kind of narrow it down. You had this, you know, two you know team wins, really, when you look at both the Kansas City Chiefs and uh, San Francisco 49ers, how they won. But I, I'm going to go with Patrick Mahomes just because he just seems to always get it done. 
in tough spots. He, this year, he's really playing very shorthanded with just Travis Kelsey, who's been just fantastic as well. Uh, he really could be the star of the week. Cause the first half he had really in taking the lead in that game um, over the Baltimore Ravens. But uh, just what, what Patrick Mahomes has proven now, winning a couple games on the road, is only two road playoff games are now wins, and now he's playing another neutral site in Las Vegas and uh, a chance to win a third Super Bowl. Yeah, no, fantastic pick. I was, uh, I'm going to go with a big name as well from the other team who's made the Super Bowl, the 49ers. I'm going with Christian McCaffrey. Uh, from his game last week, getting that um, getting that win in the NFC Championship game, but twenty carries, ninety yards, two touchdowns, and it's sort of I guess it's at this stage of the season, no surprise that that you and I have picked the big name players, you know, that maybe the most recognisable names on each of these teams in the Super Bowl because that's uh, that's this is the time of the year and the time of the season when those big names step up. So McCaffrey was just again at his brilliant best. You, you watch him rush the ball and think, how has he found that gap? How has he broken those tackles? How has he picked up that many yards from what looked like a, a situation where you couldn't pick up many yards? Looked like, you know, what what would have been a four or five yard pickup for any other running back in the league turns into 10, 15, 20 yards for Christian McCaffrey. He's got that magic ability to, to carry the ball. And, um, and, and it doesn't really matter what stage of the season it is, whether it's, you know, week seven or the NFC Conference Championship game, he's just um, he's just a, a phenomenal running back to watch. Oh yeah, absolutely uh, dynamic, and in an era where the running back has kind of become devalued, he's proving how how valuable a big time running back is, and yeah, just how unique he is in gaining those extra yards, and um, yeah, big reason why the 49ers are in the Super Bowl is is Christian McCaffrey. All right, well, let's start off with these uh, the game uh, reviews then because uh, we haven't had a chance to, to chat about these matches yet on the All-American Hour. So the conference championship matches from last week, let's start off with the first one from the day. It was the AFC championship game, the Kansas City Chiefs and the Baltimore Ravens, and the Chiefs have made another Super Bowl. They beat the Ravens 17-10 uh, last, uh, last, uh, last Monday morning, it was, um, Sunday over there in the States, but... Uh, this was a, an odd game, Chief. It was low scoring. The Chiefs were scoreless. They were shut out in the second half, um, Kansas City. Uh, so they scored their two touchdowns in the first half, uh, and that was it for them. But the Ravens were only able to score a field goal late in the game, and for, for the most part of, of the second half, they were scoreless too. So it was actually for a team which – or teams which obviously have good defenses, but, you know – you know, for the Chiefs, you're looking at all the offensive stars and all their big weapons, and Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey, and and all the all the power that they've got on that offense. It was actually a real defensive stalemate game, which was uh, not a, not the direction I think many people thought this game was going to head in. No, and not the way the game started too. It started with uh, I think it was yeah, 21 points very early in that game, um, where both teams had touchdown drives. Uh, early and looked like uh, it was going to be a shootout very early in that game, and it quickly turned. And then halftime, yeah, it was really a uh, about game management, a defensive struggle, and unfortunately for the uh, Baltimore Ravens, some key turnovers, some some huge turnovers that just cost them points. Literally a fumble right at the goal line by Young Zay Flowers, the rookie wide receiver who showed some incredible talent, but also showed that he was a, a rookie. He, the moment he had a a taunting personal foul, 15-yard penalty, then that fumble, and then he injured his hand, banging it in a frustration from that fumble. So it's a very odd uh, trifecta, if you will, of, of uh, mistakes for a young rookie, and it just shows you that in these big games, 
uh, how important it is to have that veteran experience. And, um, and Lamar Jackson, too, just a couple moments, just didn't make the plays. You know, there was a big interception in there as well. So uh, the Kansas City Chiefs defense made the plays, and then the offense, you know, wasn't able to do much. But at least they didn't cause a problem. They didn't lose the ball. They didn't turn the ball over. Didn't uh, put themselves in terrible field position. So, uh, yeah, great uh, team win for the uh, Kansas City Chiefs. And, uh, yeah, great defensive effort. Yeah, yeah, it was. Uh, you look at the drive chart from the second half, and it was, it was punt, 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 fumble, Ravens, punt, interception, Ravens, punt, Chiefs, field goal, and then that was pretty much the end of the game. The, the Chiefs just ran off the last two and a half minutes, and that was that was the the championship secured. So it was it was defensive stands, and that was, um, I don't know, was there an individual that stood up for you on on the Chiefs defense that that really. Uh, really made you sit up and take notice or, or was it just sort of the, the overall team effort, which is probably what I took away from it really. I mean, they've got great players on that, on that defense. Um, the Kansas city chiefs probably, you know, led in the middle by Nick Bolton and, and the like, um, it was kind of, they did it in all areas. There was the, the Ravens had really nothing going on the run game and, and the passing game was completely shut down from Lamar Jackson. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to go really towards the coaching and defensive coordinator, Steve Spagnolo, who's, been the defensive coordinator during this run. They've won two Super Bowls with him as defensive coordinator. And then going back to his time as uh, the defensive coordinator for the New York Giants back in 2007-2008 season when the Giants upset the uh, 18-0 New England Patriots in the Super Bowl. He's really building himself quite a resume as as an all-time great defensive uh, coach. He was a head coach for a moment with the... um, I think it was the St. Louis Rams when they were in St. Louis. Uh, didn't work for him there, but certainly as a defensive coordinator for Andy Reid, Steve Spagnuolo, um, he was key. I think really confusing Lamar Jackson, really um, putting different pressures on him. Um, and then, the, the, you know, the, always having that pass rush, George Karloftis, Chris Jones, um, real keys to uh, the Kansas City Chiefs. Actually, Karloftis was probably one was – I reckon most impressive on that defense. If you were to pick a name, his 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 pass ru- pass rushing around the edge um, was almost unstoppable. He had a he had a spell there where it felt like he was getting to the quarterback constantly. Yeah, yeah, and he's been a, a fantastic draft pick. Just I think still early in his very early in his career. I think second and, season. Yeah, yeah, and uh, really, yeah, yeah. He was big last season, big throughout this year, and. Uh, yeah, the key is really the the you know having that pass rush solid without having to bring blitzes, but still Steve Pagnolo does bring plenty of blitzes and mixes mixes it up and, and hides his blitzing and um, yeah, it's a chess match and and, and the Chiefs have uh, been fantastic at it all season. Did you on on the balance of the season and, and what we had seen? Did you expect the Chiefs to make the Super Bowl? The 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 run to the end of the season for Kansas City and some of the the results that they were putting up and the performances they were putting up at the end of the regular season just didn't, uh, you just sort of didn't think that they were going to make the Super Bowl, but they, they, they flick a switch when they get to the, uh, get to the playoffs. Yeah. I mean, I certainly didn't necessarily expect it, but I'm not surprised in the least. I was, you know, telling anyone who wanted to listen that the, the AFC was still wide open. I thought the Bills had a great chance. Obviously I thought the Ravens had a great chance, uh, but I said the Chiefs, you know, this is a team that just does it and uh, gets it done and, um, the, the coaching and the quarterback. So it, it wasn't a surprise. It would have been a surprise for me if San Francisco didn't make the Super Bowl. But it, 
Uh, wasn't a surprise, I think, that, that the Chiefs uh, got in. I, I think some of it was a little bit of complacency. And, uh, yeah, I think they, they've always proven they've, they've been a solid road team in the regular season. I didn't think being on the road would be uh, disqualifying for them in the playoffs. So this is a fourth Super Bowl now in the last five years. They won it in 2019, uh, beating the 49ers, uh, and then won it in 2022 as well, beating... Uh, the uh, the Eagles, so they do come in as uh, well. When I say twenty twenty two, it's the the season, but it was held earlier in twenty twenty three. They beat the Eagles in in the last Super Bowl. Uh, is this are they? I don't know. I mean, they're, they're definitely the greatest team of this modern era. You'd think, you know, of the last decade. But where do they sit now in in the hierarchy of the great teams uh, overall? Particularly if they go and win this Super Bowl. In a week from now, I mean, what what other teams of different areas are you now stacking them up alongside? Well, they're getting there. You know, three would be that that Dallas Cowboys in the, in the mid '90s. They won three in about four or five years. Um, then you know, going back, uh, uh, the Pittsburgh Steelers had four in the '70s, so they you know still probably not at that level. Um, I, you know, obviously the New England Patriots' twenty-year run of seven, or you know what, it, what it's been, is just uh, you know insane. Um, so they, they still have a long ways to go to get there, but you get three. Yeah. You're in that, in that talk of real, uh, dynasties, uh, the, the 49ers in the late nineties, early mid nineties, they won three and that, you know, four over a longer period of time. So they're, they're in that discussion and, uh, Patrick Palm still has lots of football left in him. We'll see about Andy Reid who's, he's getting up there in age, but he doesn't seem to be uh, losing a, anything. And seems to be fully energized. So, um, yeah, you know, this a win obviously um, on coming up this week would be, uh, but huge in that, and really need to get three uh, at least to be in that dynasty talk. How do the Ravens debrief from this now? Because they went through the whole season pretty much. It was kind of established, I think, after maybe a month, the first month of the season, that they were looking like the best team in the AFC. Then their form continued on. They were beating other big teams. They only lost, I think, three games in the regular season. Um, made it all the way, obviously, to the playoffs in, in flying form. Locked in that number one uh, AFC seed from a couple of weeks out, um, and uh, and ended up only posting ten points in a in an AFC championship game. I mean, it's probably the I think it is the furthest they've been uh, in this Lamar Jackson, Jim Har- uh, John Harbour era. Um, they had had pretty ordinary playoff records actually prior to this, so to make the AFC Championship game was was definitely a, a feather in the cap. But the way that they exited the playoffs is going to be something that they uh, that they review heavily. And um, there's going to be changes next season for the Ravens. They've already lost their defensive coordinator, Mike McDonald, who's head over to the Seattle Seahawks to take on the head coaching role there. Um, but uh, but how do the Ravens now uh, debrief from this and then and then regroup for next season? Oh, it's going to be tough. It's obviously very hard to lose. And the way they lost, um, you know, Zay Flowers, I mentioned, is a rookie. He's going to get a lot of experience from this. Hopefully he learns a lot from uh, what happened in that game. And he's shown, like, he's he's got a lot of talent. So um, Mark Andrews, the tight end, coming back from injury, made a catch early in the game. But, you know, they're going to need him to be healthy. But I, I really feel like the, the coaching failed them a bit, and they just didn't run the ball nearly enough. And they were pretty successful running the ball. I just feel uh, they didn't run the ball with the running backs, and I don't think Lamar Jackson really used his best skills. And he had the one big run, but aside from that, uh, wasn't really a dynamic playmaker with the, with his legs. 
Um, so it was just a, kind of an off game, I think, from the whole, from the coaching to the skill position players and Lamar Jackson really, you know, playing one of his worst games of the year at the worst times. And, uh, you know, I hate to kind of pile on there with because he's had poor playoff performances. Um, I, I just think it's, you know, again, a little bit small sample. So I think playing a few more times in the playoffs, he, he should have a big game because he's just so, so good. This is the All-American Hour. That was our recap of the AFC Championship game here for Winghouse. The best seats and beers, always guaranteed. Definitely a spot to get to uh, if you haven't already booked in your spot for the Super Bowl coming up next Monday. Book now because I'm sure those seats are running out at Winghouse uh, or for any other uh, establishment for that matter because uh, it does book out quickly here, even in Australia. Uh, all the seats are flying out the door uh, for your Super Bowl placement on Monday. Uh, the other team that is going to be there is the San Francisco 49ers. They will meet the Kansas City Chiefs in the Super Bowl after the Niners defeated the Lions 34-31 in the NFC Championship game uh, last week. Uh, the uh, the Lions had a very healthy lead at halftime, 24-7 at halftime. And I think we're all thinking, oh, this could be the first, this could be history. This could be the first Super Bowl that the Lions play in in their history. But uh but it wasn't to be as the, the 49ers mounted a comeback in the second half. They they quickly actually leveled the scores um, uh, in the third quarter. And uh, and then it was it was the 49ers from, from there on. And, and they're in the Super Bowl again. And there was heartbreak around uh, the United States because everyone was barracking for the fairy tale story. Yeah. Oh, and it's just so tough. you got to really feel for the Detroit Lions and the players, but especially the fans, the fans that have been... Um, agonized with this franchise but have had such a fantastic season and I really I mean I'm sure at halftime a lot of people are booking their flights and really um, making plans on attending the Super Bowl because it really looked like the Lions had it um, but you could you could see though you, you knew that the 49ers weren't going to be out of it just the way they've been all season, how talented they've been, and uh, you know they got that ball first. It went down, scored on that very opening drive, and then uh, a big fumble. You know, really turned it, and that's that was the real key play. So they were able to score again, and then once they got going, um, it really did feel like the Lions weren't going to be able to get back over the hump, though they had plenty of chances. Um, Dan Campbell taking some heat for maybe passing on some field goals, but. Uh, he was aggressive all season. That's what brought them there. I don't think there's any uh, reason for him to change. And it it's, can't be assumed that these kickers are going to make these field goals, too. That's the other thing. Everyone's just assuming, oh, you're going to add three points. But uh, we've seen a lot of kickers miss key field goals in, in this yeah. in this postseason. Uh, the week before in Green, with Green Bay and then uh, earlier in the game, the San Francisco 49ers kicker missed a pretty easy one. So... Uh, Lions had their chances, but I wouldn't blame the coaching. I just really feel that, you know, the 49ers just stepped it up and, and played to their, the way they should have been playing the whole game. Yeah, yeah even Tyler Bass the week before with the, uh, the, the Buffalo Bills missing that game-tying field goal uh, for them against the Chiefs. Um, what, was the, what was the difference? How did the game turn in the second half? Because it was um, the, the Lions went from being a, looking like a pretty free-flowing team in the first half and having... Jameer Gibbs picking up massive, uh, massive uh, plays and and finding gaps and picking up first downs. Dave Montgomery, I thought, was fantastic in the first half, uh, rushing the ball for the uh, for the Lions. Laporta was getting in, involved as well, so we had the two rookies and the and the veteran there. Um, but then things just things just 
stymied. It was it was a game that closed up on offense for the Detroit Lions. Was it simply the uh, the 49ers defense stepping up and 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 you know presenting themselves on the big occasion, or was it a case of the Lions maybe just tightening a little bit in those in those nervous moments? Well, yeah, I think they, they you're naturally going to tighten a little bit, but yeah, I'd like to be a little bit more positive and, and think that it was the, the 49ers defense playing as they should have, you know, earlier in that game and really making big plays and stepping up. Um, the fumble was, again, uh, you know, that's a mistake. That wasn't a forced fumble, really. That was a bad exchange with, with Goff. And um, so that, that really hurt. That, there was a huge momentum swing. That was the real... Uh, move that got the 49ers over and then on the offensive side of the ball too San Francisco um, figuring out what was going to work and uh, they got some lucky plays they got a great big play to Brandon Ayuk off uh, Lions uh, face mask play. so they had some breaks and uh, that, that also happens and you need to have that happen to to make a big comeback like that you need to have a couple balls bounce your way. Down the stretch of a game, when 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 the game is sort of still there on the line and it's it's getting tense, um, what is what's the general sort of mo for teams? Is it to pass the ball and, and try and pick up those those um, you know quick sort of pickups, you know quick plays? It, you use up less time if it's an incompletion, you stop the clock, or is it to do because that's that's what the Lions were doing and and Jared Goff was was firing out a lot of incompleted passes. Or, or do you keep with, with what has, has got you there to the first place and, and what served them so well in the first half, I thought, was their running game? What, what, what would normally have been the situation for a team in the second half when you're playing in a critical game like that and things are getting tense? Is it to pass the ball like they did or is it to, to try and stick to your strengths and rush? Usually it is to, to run the ball. It really is. Uh, one, you control the clock. You can keep your defense. If you can get first downs, you can keep the, your defense uh, off the field and have your offense uh, controlling the game. And, uh, yeah, I think there was something to be said for maybe them uh, abandoning the run a little bit, um, maybe playing a little bit where they don't want to seem conservative so they were a little bit more aggressive by throwing the ball, and that might have hurt them. That's a very fair point. Uh, especially with the talent they have at running back, specifically Gibbs, the, the young rookie, Jameer Gibbs, so much speed and so much cutting ability. If you can just get him in space, he can make a huge play, but certainly can get you those first downs. So, um, yeah, that, that might have been a little bit of a mistake where the Lions didn't want to seem ultra-conservative, so maybe they were playing a little bit uh, too aggressive, and uh, it, it could have maybe... Uh, been part of the reason why the the offense wasn't able to get anything going. How many fans are hurting now from both not the not just the Lions but both the Lions and the Ravens? Oh yeah, I, certainly the Lions. The Ravens have had some recent success. Uh, Joe Flacco winning the Super Bowl with with Jim Harbaugh, even though that was of ever a decade ago, probably now at this point. But uh, uh, so much worse for the Lions. Uh, you know this and and. After the game, Dan Campbell, the head coach, so honest, you know, letting his players know it's going to be harder to get back to this spot because uh, other teams know or we're not going to sneak up on teams. And just they had a lot of things go their way. So that's what's so tough is that you had a great season uh, for the Detroit fans. And then to end like that, it'd be one thing if, you know, the San Francisco controlled the game from beginning to end and, it kind of went a little bit to form, but having that big a lead and, and really having that halftime to think about 
oh, wow, we're going to the Super Bowl and, you know, uh, people lucky enough who can afford to come because the price is outrageous. But, but thinking about, you know, where we're going to have the party, who we're going to go to, who we're going to invite. And, um, oh, great dad's finally going to get to see this. Team. You know, the, yeah, it's heartbreaking. I'm sure all sports fans uh, who've had similar team experiences uh, know it. So, uh, and, and yeah, and I think a lot of America was hoping to see some a fresh team and we have a rematch from... Uh, just just a few Super Bowls ago. And uh, how many Lions and Ravens fans do you reckon would have bought tickets to the game or bought, you know, booked hotels and tried to get themselves to Las Vegas, which uh, they're now having to tear up those tickets? Yeah, I'm sure quite a few. I'm sure certainly, yeah, Detroit in that moment. And then, yeah, really the Ravens having to feel pretty good. Uh, you know, they were pretty significant favorites uh, in that game against Kansas City. And I'm sure a lot of fans wanting to get ahead of it, certainly with flights, probably booked flights. And um, hopefully, yeah, uh, you know, they'll, you know, can move it to another time. I mean, definitely uh, good reasons to go to Las Vegas any time of year. So uh, maybe not the worst place to book a flight. <laughs> yeah, and if you had a Super Bowl ticket, you'd probably, you'd, I don't know if you'd go, but uh, you wouldn't rip up the ticket. You'd sell it uh, for a pretty penny and make some money back. So. <laughs> Pretty yeah. uh, pretty valuable. It's insane. insane. <laughs> uh, we'll take a break here on the All-American Hour. So there is our, uh, our recaps of the AFC and NFC Championship games from last week. And now we are in the lead-up to the Super Bowl this week. And, Chief, we have a special announcement to make as well because, uh, obviously, the All-American Hour is normally on on a Sunday morning as we are today, but we'll be on every day now from here all the way through the rest of this week. As a um, as as a as a lead up to the Super Bowl, so every morning from five a.m. So normally that is the uh, the pre breakfast uh, show, tradies news in a nutshell. That'll be off for the week, and it'll be you and me doing the All American Hour uh, every day Monday through to Friday for this upcoming week to uh, to build up to the Super Bowl because you'll be there uh, on uh, on Radio Row. You're heading over. Uh, was it tonight? Tomorrow morning? You're heading over for uh, to make your way to Las Vegas. Yeah, heading over tomorrow. Um... I'm so excited. Radio Row is one of the cooler experiences you can have, especially as, as an you know, American sports fan, not just a football fan, because it's so many different athletes, obviously majority football, but uh, just going around, interviewing, doing interviews to radio stations all around the world and uh, usually promoting a little something, but uh, definitely telling some great stories. And uh, there's just so much uh, going on in terms of the Super Bowl, and then the first one being in Las, this is the first one ever in Las Vegas. So I'm sure there'll be uh, even extra hoopla and extra parties and events and just wildness, I'm sure, for the, uh, the whole week. There we go. Monday to Friday from 5 a.m. here on SEN, the All-American Hour in the build-up to the Super Bowl. So make sure you're tuning in. And uh, if you're not waking up that early, make sure you check us out on the podcast because we do have a podcast as well. Uh, the All-American Hour through the SEN channels uh, on uh, wherever you get your podcasts. We're about to get stuck into the head coaching changes uh, for the upcoming season, but uh, but all of the head coaching vacancies have now been filled. So that was all completed uh, in the last week or so. Chief, let's do a quick recap on, uh, on who has come and gone. We'll just go through alphabetically. And uh, the Atlanta Falcons, Raheem Morris comes in, uh, former uh, Rams defensive coordinator, Tampa Bay head coach uh, once upon a time about 10 years ago, or over 10 years ago now, Raheem Morris. He comes in at the Atlanta Falcons. Um, they uh, got rid of Arthur Smith at the end of the season. Uh, Raheem Morris, experienced guy, has got head coaching uh, 
head coaching experience from from a while ago. Is that a um, is that a good fit? Do you think what what do you, what do you know about Raheem Morris and, and what do you remember from him at Tampa Bay? Yeah, that's you know not so much uh, a lot of positives from that experience, but more recently his uh, as a defensive coordinator with the. Uh, LA Rams has been fantastic and really this season as well kind of seemed like an undermanned unit lacking a lot of new talent just with they've had to mortgage uh, their future with uh, mainly that Matthew Stafford uh, trade but a bunch of the trades uh, and it got them a Super Bowl for the LA Rams and so I think that's really was the strength and certainly having previous head coaching experience really helped Raheem Morris get that job with the Atlanta Falcons. So I do think it's a good fit, and especially uh, uh, in Atlanta, I think to, to move towards defense, I think it's a, a positive thing. Is how far away do you think the Falcons are? Because they were sort of on the cusp this season in a in a in what was ultimately not very competitive uh, division for the majority of the year, even though the Tampa Bay Buccaneers did win a playoff game uh, in the in the postseason. But uh, the Falcons were, you know, for a while there, they were sort of contending as being the the, the potential NFC South division winners. Oh, yeah, and that, that division's still wide open, and they could be a contender next year. And, yeah, once you get into the playoffs, you know, certainly anything can happen. And, if you, yeah, it certainly helps – if you win your division, you get that home game in that in that uh, in the wild card round at least. Um, so, uh, no Atlanta again. The question is quarterback, and I don't know if Desmond Ritter is the future. Certainly, Taylor Heineke isn't. Um, there's some fantastic skill position players. Everyone excited about the running back Bijan Robinson getting released under the Arthur Smith hold, and and Kyle Pitts, the the very talented tight end. So yeah, there's a lot of talent there in in Atlanta. So uh, in the NFL, you can turn around quick. Uh, the Carolina Panthers, Dave Canales, the uh, now former Tampa Bay Buccaneers offensive coordinator, had also spent time under Pete Carroll at the Seattle Seahawks. The Las Vegas Raiders have made Antonio Pierce the full-time head coach. Uh, he was the interim for most of the season, but uh, has now been secured that in that full-time role, which I think a lot of people are happy about. The LA Chargers, though, Chief, is the um, this is this was well this name in particular was one that was being floated about NFL circles for for a while now. And Jim Harbaugh, uh, the uh, the former San Francisco 49ers head coach, took them to a Super Bowl against his brother uh, over ten years ago, but has been at Michigan in the college system for a while and had great success. Uh, obviously, making it all the way and winning the uh, the championship this season, and now returns to the NFL and he'll take. Uh, the head coaching role of the LA Chargers. So he's back in the NFL, Jim Harbaugh. Oh, yeah. And that was the, you know, the, clearly the, the shining uh, trophy of this uh, coaching carousel, if you don't include Bill Belichick, who didn't find a job or who knows exactly behind the scenes there. But to have a, yeah, a coach coming off a national championship in college football, but who has uh, very good NFL experience, uh, is fantastic for the Los Angeles Chargers and really hopefully will change some of that culture and just always seeming to be on the losing end and weird plays and all that stuff that goes against the Chargers. Hopefully uh, with um, Jim Harbaugh will turn around. He's got a great quarterback in Justin Herbert. So yeah, very exciting uh, for the LA Chargers fans for sure. Speaking of Bill Belichick, and we'll talk about him in just a second, but his team, New England, our former team, uh, New England's, have uh, they've just elevated from within. Jared Mayo, uh, a defensive coach, has stepped up to fill the breach. Do we know much about Jared Mayo? Obviously, he'd, he'd be highly rated within the New England Patriots camp. He's been there for a while now, but uh, opting to recruit from within and not look external. 
Yeah, um, this was not not a surprise at all. It, he was kind of expected to be the, the coach in waiting. Uh, I, I, great uh, University of Tennessee football fan. He was a great player for the Tennessee Volunteers as a linebacker, then played his entire career with the New England Patriots. And team leader, you know, that middle linebacker, he had the microphone in his helmet, uh, really a coach on the field already. So uh, it is a big step to go from linebacker's coach uh, to head coach and not have coordinator experience, but we're seeing it with Antonio Pierce, with, with the Raiders, that same situation. Uh, but I, I think Jared Mayo is perfect. He's young. He can relate to the players. Seems like a leader of men. And I think that is, I think, going to be a little bit more of the uh, direction teams go in, and we're seeing that a bit where they're going younger, they're going with, uh, I think, coaches that can interact better with the younger players. Uh, Mike McDonald, the uh, Ravens defensive coordinator, has now picked up the head coaching role at the Seattle Seahawks, replacing Pete Carroll. It's been a quick ascension for Mike McDonald, going from defensive coordinator this season at Baltimore now into a head coaching role uh, year on year. So he's uh, quickly moved up the ranks, but uh, the Ravens had uh, one of the best defenses for the uh, for the season uh, so Seattle have gone with him. And, and the Tennessee Titans replacing Mike Vrabel with Brian Callahan, who was the offensive coordinator at the Cincinnati Bengals. So it kind of makes sense, I suppose, that the team or the, the division, that was the strongest division in football uh, this season and one of the strongest ever, the AFC North, have had uh, their coordinators raided with the uh, with the, the Ravens. McDonald going to Seattle and, and Tennessee picking up Cincinnati's Brian Callahan. Yeah, yeah, McDonald, I think he's the youngest of the bunch. I think he's just 36 going to Seattle. And then, yeah, Callahan has done a really great job with Joe Burrow and that offense. And even when Joe Burrow got hurt, that offense still was moving the ball very well with Jake Browning. So I think that really helped Brian Callahan get the head coaching job with Tennessee, just how good he did with a backup quarterback and a young quarterback and hopefully develops Will Levis. And same with Canales in Carolina, it's all about developing Bryce Young, and that's why they went in that direction. Um, so teams, yeah, I think they did a good job fitting kind of what their uh, teams needed, and, and I love the Raiders sticking with Antonio Pierce. His, his players all wanted him, and uh, that's the number one thing. And Dan Quinn back in a head coaching role as well with the Washington Commanders, a, uh, a coach that had taken Atlanta to a Super Bowl and, uh, and most recently was at the Dallas Cowboys as a defensive coordinator. So that was the last one to, um, to be filled, and it means that Bill Belichick and Mike Vrabel as well don't have a head coaching role. So the greatest, one of the greatest coaches ever, Bill Belichick, doesn't actually was, was not picked for any of those vacancies, which is a massive surprise. Yeah, yeah, it really was. I, I really thought Washington would be the spot and the commanders, uh, but they decided to go. And they didn't go young either. They, you know, they went with Dan Quinn. They went with someone on the defensive side. So I, I was a bit surprised. But, again, you don't know what's happening behind the scenes. Maybe Belichick didn't want one or two of those jobs and could have gotten them. Uh, and Vrabel, a bit of surprise as well. But they're both, you know, you very well can see them on the sidelines next season. Uh, possibly Mike Vrabel actually could take a defensive coordinator job, but I I doubt it. I think he'll sit out a year and uh, find a job next year. Brought to you by Winghouse, the best seats and beers, always guaranteed. Winghouse, off the text, 0433981116. Chief, uh, one here from uh, Anonymous. I'll put your name to it, please. Uh, Chief, what's the go with the Giants and the coaching merry-go-round? No defensive coordinator yet. A bit of wink stink, Don Martindale. Dayball needs to adjust like Coughlin did, question mark. Uh, who do you think is our best fit at uh, defensive coordinator? Cheers. 
Yeah, you know, I'm not sure what direction they're going to go. Yeah, unfortunately, Wink Martindale has been fantastic for the Giants. Uh, having some sort of personal issues, seemingly, with uh, uh, Brian Dayball, the head coach. You know, uh, hopefully they go with a very similar system because it really seems to fit their personnel. But, uh, yeah, it's been a very difficult offseason uh, for the Giants already. Um, possibly even uh, the offensive coordinator in talks of maybe going to Seattle and being the offensive coordinator there. So, um, still, yeah, a lot of coordinator positions. They they fill up the head coaching ranks pretty quickly. Not even a you know, two, you know, a few weeks after the regular season. But the, the defensive coordinators, or the offensive coordinators, can can be a little bit longer. Yes, yeah, yeah. The season hasn't actually finished yet, and we've already got all the uh, head coaching vacancies filled. Uh, and from Tim in Brighton, uh, good morning, Jordy and the Chief. Great to hear the Chief came down under for our summer. After Super Bowl 54, Coach Kyle Shanahan said his team was built to win a title. The burning question is, can Shanahan outwit Andy Reid? The whole game probably comes down to this matchup. Shanahan has plenty of demons to slay. Tim from Brighton, PS, looking forward to hearing uh, you early in the morning this week. But, um, yeah, can uh, can Kyle Shanahan outwit Andy Reid, Chief? Yeah, that's exactly what we were talking about off-air, is that it seems like the 49ers have a lot more talent, but... Uh, Kyle Shanahan has a couple of uh, big, you know, negatives, you know, up 2010 late in that fourth quarter a few years ago against the Chiefs and then up 28-3 as the offensive coordinator for the Atlanta Falcons and not scoring again in that game against the New England Patriots and the all-time greatest comeback slash collapse in Super Bowl history. So uh, certainly Kyle Shanahan has something to prove, though. These past two weeks have been very impressive, big comeback wins, and I think that gives Shanahan and the team confidence to beat Andy Reid and the Chiefs. Thank you for the text, Tim. And uh, and Ash sent that first text message. Thank you, Ash, for your text. Another text message has come through, Chief. Surely the Bills can't keep accepting falling over in the playoffs. Belichick would shake things up. Your thoughts? I, I, I like that. <laughs> I really do. I'm not a fan of Sean McDermott. I, I like Josh Allen. I like so much of that team. But they, I feel like the coaching is lacking, and I, I think Belichick would be a very interesting fit there. But yeah. doesn't look, then look like they're going that direction. Yeah, no, it looks like they're going to stick with Sean McDermott. But uh, yeah, don't mind the uh, don't mind the suggestion, uh, Chief. Uh, no NFL football this week, obviously, with the uh, the week off in between the championship games and the Super Bowl. But we do have the Pro Bowl, but not quite as we have known the Pro Bowl in years gone by. It's all. Uh, it's all skills, challenges, and and the like, and and uh, seven on seven flag football as well. So it's become a uh, bit of a shell of its former self, hasn't it? The Pro Bowl. Yeah, and you know it makes some sense. You don't want to have contact, but it's still up to, still have a great chance for injury, and it's just I'm not terribly entertaining. So uh, that's the direction they've gone. I won't be watching. I'll be watching some other sports, but. Uh, some fans do still watch it. I yes. can't believe it. Yeah, I know. Yeah, I don't think it's on TV here in Australia. They've got the NHL All-Star uh, weekend on, on TV here in Australia, on ESPN, which I'm actually watching. I'm, uh, I've got it here in the, in the studio, and it's been uh, pretty entertaining so far, all the skills challenges yesterday. Uh, Chief, that's it for us today. But, uh, hey, you and I are going to catch up again tomorrow for more All-American Hour and all the way through the week. Thank you. All right. Looking forward to it. Geordie and the Chief, All-American Hour, back tomorrow, 5 a.m. See ya.